The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 12th, 2021. The woman in your life Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful, beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County. Hey, I want to say hello (laughs) to my redheaded and to me, Celtic friend, uh, Daniel Hemingway. Thank you, Daniel, for listening and for letting me know. And I would love to hear from more of you who are listening to the show. But Daniel has proved to be a dedicated uh, listener, and I want to thank him from the bottom of my heart. I have two special guests with me this morning. Joining me on the phone will be Tina Rogers, who does black history presentations through this broken word. Often in the past, our black sisters are left out. And so I've invited Tina to come and talk about two African American women's on the second Monday of the month. And it, you know, they've had a powerful impact on us. And today the two women we're going to be talking about are Anna Julia Cooper and Vivian G. Harsh. And it's so interesting because I never heard of these two women. And when I looked at the history of them, it was just amazing at the impact that they have had on our lives. And oftentimes women of color do not not get credit for what they have done. Just like we were listening to Amy Goodman prior to the show when she talked about the water, that our water is life and what the Native American women were standing up for. And it was so interesting while they were talking about it, I took a drink of water. I've been having some dehydration problems and I thought to myself, what would it be like if there was no water? I would die. I mean, water is so important and we really need to pay attention to that. Well, also joining me on the phone will be Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, who's a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual leader in her in uh, in the mystical uh, tradition. Uh, Patricia was the founding minister of Unity of Berkeley and is currently a frequent uh, guest minister at our Unity Church here in Sonoma County. And you know, uh, Easter was last week, and I thought it would be interesting to hear what the uh, what the Easter story is, and to look at it from the perspective of new beginnings, new ways to think about yourself, and letting go of the past. You know, what is the resurrection? How can we resurrect ourselves? And I think it'll be a very, very interesting conversation, and maybe give people another perspective of how we can use our spiritual ideas to enhance our own ideas and our own self-esteem. I think it's very, very important. Well, you know, our history is our strength. And on April, I want to do a special happy birthday to uh, Clara Bayer. She was born April 13th, 1892 and made her transition in 1990. My goodness, she almost lived 100 years. Uh, She worked with Frances Perkins, who was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people, and Molly Dusum on the social 
Social Security Act of 1935, campaigned to abolish child labor and to secure minimum wage and maximum uh, hour scales. You know, it's very important to recognize women who have been so powerful and worked so hard on the labor movement. I mean, especially Frances Perkins. So happy birthday, Clara Bayer. And a special shout out to my daughter, Susan Jensen, and son-in-law, David uh, Jensen. Wonderful, wonderful parents and grandparents, and made me a great-grandmother. They are celebrating 33 years of marriage. My God, it seems like only yesterday. Love you both so much, and thank you for the gifts that you give Ken and me. So happy anniversary, Dave and Sue Jensen. Wow, 33 years. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I had a wonderful experience this weekend. Uh, uh, an event uh, sponsored by the uh, Green Party here in Sonoma County. It was called Echo, uh, talking about eco-socialist movements. And what was so important about it was listening to the whole idea of how we are responsible for our environment and we have to stand up for it. And what another thing that is interesting when I again I'm going to go back to the when I was listening to Amy Goodman about water. We cannot live without water. And water has become a real profitable entity. You know, so it means that only if you have X amount of dollars you can have water. And then they destroy water through fracking and through all kinds of other things. We need to pay attention to what is going on in our environment. The future of our children are being impacted, particularly around water. Water is a human right. We cannot exist without it. And it was very interesting listening to these people. There was a person by the name of Amju Baka, who was a Black Alliance for Peace national organization and spokesperson. And he talked about the importance of community organization. And we have many, many community organizations here in Sonoma County and all out, all throughout Northern California. Become involved. Join one. Speak out for the environment, because when you're speaking out, you're speaking out for the future of our children. Another great guest speaker was Michelle Vessel. She's a part of the uh, Wailat Tribal. She's the administrator for them, talking about, again, our Native American lands and how they're being co-opted and how we have to really pay attention. And a special shout-out to Kali Akuna, who was, uh, who was a uh, co uh, Cooperation Jackson co-founder and co-editor. Amazing man. Lots of lots of different, different information. And if you go on www.womenspaces, we are going to have the link where you can actually watch and listen to this seminar that was given. It was amazing and very, very informative. And another thing that happened to me this, this week, which I thought was interesting, I usually find these little tidbits on the on the internet. It's amazing the things that people uh, uh, post. And they there was a thing that came out with the ten intentions for a better world, and they called it the code ten and ten. That's the number ten intentions for a better world. And I thought I would just go over them really quickly. And again, this will all be on www.womenspaces.com. So here they are. The first intent, support life. Support life. 
The second intent, seek truth. Seek truth. The third intent is set your course. Set your course to do something, to begin your own creative process. The fourth is intent is to simplify your life. You know, one of the things that I've been noticing, I've been cleaning out my closets and my drawers, and I say to myself, why do I need all this stuff? I need to simplify. The fifth intent, stay positive. That's a hard one because there's a lot of stuff going on around our communities, you know, and that that can really put us down and just say, oh, my God, what's the use? Find affirmation. That's why it's important that we're going to listen to uh, Dr. Keel to give us an idea of what more, a more in-depth idea of what resurrection is and how we can simplify our life that way and stay positive. The The sixth intent is synchronize. Look at what you're doing. Make sure you're in sync with what is reality. The seventh intent. I love this one. Serve others. I want to add this whole idea of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is a great service if you just have that idea in mind. The eighth intent, shine your light. Do not be afraid to stand up, to let your voice be heard, especially against any injustices you see. The ninth intent is serve and share your vision. And I love this affirmation. I create my ideal world by, con- by visionizing it and telling others about it. I share my vision. And then the last intent is to synchronize. Center, excuse me, wrong word. Synergize. I see harmony as one. Synergize. Put your energy into seeing the world as one. How sad it is that we judge each other by the external world rather than the internal world. You know, I love what Dr. Martin Luther King says, not to judge a person by the color of their skin, but who they are as a human being and what their intentions are. So I see this as the code, the 10 intentions for a better world. It's kind of important to kind of look at it. And it's another way to read something positive, to kind of get you on a, a kind of on a level where you realize maybe there are things in the world that need to be changed, but you're going to have a positive attitude and know that you are the change that we've all been waiting for. That every time you contribute to the whole, something positive happens. You know, that's a lot to think about. It really is. You know, I I just love reading these things. You know, what I do every morning is I read the uh, Women's Spaces Pledge at least five times before I come on the air, and I read a positive affirmation that keeps me going. And here this morning I read this ten this code here, which also helps uplift me, and I hope it helps all my listeners out there to uplift them. Find something, something that keeps you on a positive kind of a positive wavelength so you can contribute more and more to this troubled yet very exciting world. You know, we live in this beautiful mystery. I mean, it's just amazing to me. 
Well, Earth Day is April 22nd. And I would, I really, I'm going to do a call out to everybody listening. If you know of any, uh, Earth Day uh, celebrations that are going on in Northern California, if you could just email me at elaine at womenspaces.com, I'm happy to announce your event on the air. Earth Day is a very important day. And on, uh, the last, I believe it's going to be the, um, the last Monday of the month. When I'm going to be having, uh, Ken's going to tell us his story because he was at the original Earth Day and I think that is really, really exciting. Also to let you know that the newsletter for the National Organization for Women is now online. You can see it at www.sonomanow.org, right? Nowsonoma.org. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful newsletter. We have a little story about Ken and what he what happened to him with around Earth Day. Plus, we are honoring uh, Faith Ross, who uh, made it to Women of the Year of Sonoma County. Congratulations, uh, Faith! So, what I'd like you to do again is send me an email at Elaine at womenspaces.com and let me know if there are any events happening in your area. And like I said, I'm happy, happy, happy to announce it. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And as I announced last month, the second Tuesday for the History is Our Strength segment, I'm going to have a dear friend of mine, Tina Rogers, come on and talk about the accomplishments of our African-American sisters. Oftentimes their contributions are overlooked, and I think it's very important that we acknowledge and recognize them. I believe in my heart that there's a healing that has to go on because of what happened during the suffrage movement when they were not allowed to vote. They were not, African American women were not allowed, allowed to vote until the civil rights, uh, uh, the civil rights amendment came up with President Johnson. So it's important to acknowledge their contributions because they have made many. And, uh, we're going to talk today about, um, Two women, and I. we will really get in a little in-depth study. Let's see if I can get their names here. The two women we're going to be talking about is Anna Julia Cooper and Vivian G. Hash. Well, we're going to take a musical break now, and the song I'm going to play is Ain't Gonna Let Anyone Turn Me Around. That's the whole theme of this persistence and moving forward just like these women did in spite of the prejudice and the limitations that were on them simply because of the color of their skin. And the uh, song is sung by Lydia Violet. You know, I love her name and I love the color violet. I wonder if we were all violet, we would learn to love one another, to care for one another. I look forward to the day we all become woke and can enjoy peace on earth and goodwill to all, where we all look at each other first as human beings. And the rest, whatever that is. You know, I always like to say, number one, I'm a human being first. Second, I'm a woman. And the rest, I mean, what difference does it make when you start thinking about it? And like I said, when we return, I will be talking with Tina Rogers, who does black history presentations through the spoken word. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play Ain't Gonna Let Anyone Turn Me Around, sung by Lydia Violet.
up to freedom land i love that oh my goodness ain't gonna let nobody turn me around and listen the two women we are going to talk about they did not let anybody turn them around they just moved forward one foot in front of the other until they accomplished all they needed to accomplish well for you just joining us i want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station its board of directors its members or women's spaces Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my first guest joining me on the phone, Tina Rogers. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Elaine. How are you? Happy Monday. Oh, welcome. And I'm so excited. This is our second segment. You know, we're starting this new segment, the second Tuesday of the month, having you on to talk about uh, our black sisters and all their accomplishments. But before we start, is it okay if I tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Yeah. Uh, Tina Rogers is a native of Sonoma County. She's devoted her life in trying to understand this beautiful planet, the humans, and the other species that share our world. A true humanitarian is what she represents through research, education, and communication with other cultures allows her to see the big picture. While attending UC Davis, she turned her passion for the arts, fitness, and wellness into a popular example of master teaching, not only to children, but people of all ages. She is a role model who enjoys using art education and fitness as tools to crack the code in child development that lasts a lifetime. I have personally seen her presentations of black history through the spoken word and dance and found the experience to be both educational and inspiring. I'm going to say that again. I found her presentations to be both educational and and inspiring. Well, welcome again, Tina. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Is there anything else that you would like to add? 
yes, I would like to say, you know, thank you. And for me, um, you know, growing up and being a product of Sonoma County, you know, I was just like a, a curious child, and I think I was born like that. And living in such a wonderful place, I had the opportunity to explore, to also, you know, just just enjoy life. Um, I loved uh, to read. Um, I was already born into a family that was already very um, culturally, spiritual, intellectual, um, and, and a whole lot of things. So it's not anything that I earned or gained. It's just like a rites of passage. And so for me, this is what I was supposed to be doing. Well, and, I, you know, I agree with you, and I, I, I actually support, I support this whole idea. Well, well, let's start. Let's start with our first. We're going to first talk about Anna Julia Cooper. You know, tell us a little bit of who she was and what she was known for. Yeah, well, you know, and and Anna Julia Haywood Cooper, because um, Cooper is her her married name, and so you know, she was Anna Julia Cooper. Uh, Cooper. She was born uh, August 10th, 1858. Uh, she was, you know, is known, you know, to be an American author, educator, sociologist, uh, speaker, black liberation activist, you know, like one of the most uh, prominent, you know, African American scholars in United States history, period. Not only that, like a huge and important person for women's suffrage. And when you say women, it's not like black, white, or you know, all the other people that, you know, feel left out. Um, she was born when people were, um, when, it, you know, the Americas still had slaves um, or people were enslaved. And her mother, you know, she was enslaved at the time. And her father, you know, it's kind of a little questionable. They want to say that it was the planter, which a lot of people would call like a slave master or, or um, an owner or something like that. Or because of the DNA, it could also be, you know, his brother, you know. So there's a little bit of a question of, about that. But at the end of the, you know, all of her, 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 her things that she went through, she, um, you know, received, you know, world class education. She was already smart. Um, she received a PhD in uh, in 1924. She we, we did a whole lot for, you know, humanity. But one of the like the huge things that I think that your listeners would you know really enjoy is a book that she has, and it's called A Voice from the South, and it's you know it was by a black woman of the South, and it's widely acknowledged, um, especially like within black feminism, and feminism is just that. So as far as like Anna, you know, her childhood, she was a kid. You know, by the time she's eight years old, nine years old, she's able to go to school. And because her father is considered white, you know, she probably got a little bit of uh, privileges, a little bit more, but not really. She still was, you know, an enslaved child, so she still had to work within the family. And which is, like, interesting, you know, and to go off topic a little bit, is about how, like, you know, the woman of the home, you know, the white woman of the home felt of seeing little mix, you know, Anna, you know, running around. And then, you know, her nickname, they called her Annie and stuff like that. And, like, you know, for her mother, Hannah, um, her, you know, her name is Hannah Stanley, but they call it Haywood because Haywood would be the family name of the planter. Um, 
You know, I want to say I want to say one other thing. I want to say one other thing about her that I thought is very interesting to encourage any women out there that are thinking, oh, I want to get educated, but I'm too old. She Mm. actually she actually earned her uh, doctoral degree at the age of 66 in 1924. Mm -hmm. And she got it from the University uh, of Paris. At that time, she was the only the fourth African-American woman to earn that distinction. Amazing. The philosophy. The amazing. Philosophy. It is, and it, and it is, but it is not. It's amazing because, like, we're, like, over 100 years, you know, from all the things that have happened. So a lot of people don't understand that there's always, always have been super intellectual black women, black men. You know, so this is, like, you know, a history thing. But when she was nine years old, she was already, like, ahead of her class. You know, and she was like able to tutor, you know, sixth graders and eighth graders. And these are people that were like newly freed. So it was the first time that they, you know, they went to school, like on a formal education during that time period. But not only that, like throughout her whole entire life, like as she was, you know, going to college or going to like only black high schools, she would go back and teach at those high schools. She was always giving back. She would always go back and teach at a place or she would do like adult education for people that, you know, a, a black adults that never had the opportunity to go to school. But, hey, after your work, maybe we can do it at night. So she was always one of those people. And so, you know, what I'm thinking that th- this program that we're having, you know, the second uh, Mondays of, of each month is on giving people information but allowing them to go and and learn more on their own because you may never know who's going to start a book club so there's lots of them you know based on her well let me just let's end this conversation about her by just letting our listeners know that she died at 105 and a funeral was held in raleigh where she was buried in 2000 in 2010 the state of south carolina erected a historical marker near her gravesite so what a wonderful wonderful woman to talk about well let, let's move on to the second woman you know where the segment goes so fast you cannot believe it <laughs> right and our second woman is vivian g harsh now vivian c harsh had a huge impact on all of us so let's talk a little bit about her right too. yeah this is like you know vivian she's she's somebody that i you know i really like that because i'm really hugely into uh, the public library system not only receiving books but for myself like i actually like do programs children's programs and adult programs all over northern california so Jim, uh, vivian again um just like annie was born, you know, in the 18, you know, 90s, in the late 1880s and stuff, and 90s. But um, she was an American library. And so what happened with her is, like, back in, like, 1924, she became, you know, a library for the Ch- uh, Chicago Public Library System and being the first, you know, person, the first black woman or black person in general. And so what she would do is she would travel around everywhere just to, like, pick up different collections of books and and, and different things that people have not seen, and especially particularly black people on the side of Chicago where, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on where people didn't think about that. But at the end of everything for her, Elaine, seriously, like she has, like, collections that she has started, and they renamed it. You know what I'm saying? They renamed it. Vivian G. Harsh Research Collection, you know, of African-American history uh, and, uh, and, and literature. Um, so she was, um, she was born in Chicago, 
you know, and she was born into like, you know, the people that we consider like, you know, the blue bloods. And I'm not sure if your listeners know much about Chicago Defender. And maybe one day we should definitely talk about uh, that because that's like a huge black publication. And a lot of people left the South um, after Reconstruction, after, you know, the end of slavery and a lot of things. And they headed north and west and like, you know, how we are in California and stuff like that. So there's a lot. But my question is like um, for you, what is it that you know or that you like, you know, hearing about Vivian G. Harsh. Well, what I what I liked is particularly when she had this thing called Special Negro Collection at the library, which mm-hmm. which allowed people to understand some of the situations that people went through during slavery, and you know, to remind our listeners, you know, why this was such a big deal. You know, with the library, particularly when you think about during slavery, it was against the law. For mm-hmm. black people to be educated. I mean, they, they were kept in the dark, and it's amazing that they were able to evolve the way they evolved. That's why I love the song that I played, Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Around, that exactly. they just moved, they moved forward. Well, you know, mm-hmm. Tina, I hate to rush you, that she's a wonderful woman. Uh, she, but I, I want to add this real quickly, if, if it's okay. Go ahead. But so, with, with Vivian G. Harsh, like, she helped, like, Langston Hughes. Zora Neale Histon, Gwendolyn Brooks, you know, she helped Horace Clayton and all these other brilliant writers that people have been re- reading, you know, The Raising of the Sun, all that kind of stuff. She helped them. Those were her peers. Those were her friends. So I just want to leave you guys with that as well. Well, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I thank you for, for going and doing the research on these. I mean, this is very, very exciting. The more I find out, the more I appreciate the contributions of all these women. Well, one last thing before we end the segment and make this pretty quick, Tina, because we are yeah. coming to the end of the segment. What, what did you glean? What, what, what did you feel after researching these two women? What, 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 was, your, what was your overall feeling? That's a great question. So for me, um, when I attended UC Davis, I've taken a lot of um, African-American studies classes as well as, like, literature, uh, 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 all kinds of stuff. So I'll just move on from that. So what um, what it was is kind of disheartening that you have, you know, these women that, like, helped women's suffrage. They've been already been on the forefront of a lot of things, and then here we are over 100 years later, and it's like, okay, this is all new to everybody. So that's what indoctrination, that's what laws, and that's what they talk about white supremacy. It's a system on how you can, like, keep think people down. So I give advice to every black child, whether it's a girl or a boy, and anybody else that knows them, help them. Help them understand, like, who their history is and who they are, because that's why we're born. Well, Tina Rodgers. I appreciate everything. Well, Tina Rogers, once again, you did a wonderful, wonderful job presenting these wonderful women. And I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I hope through this segment people understand more and more about African-American women and take pride in recognizing what they have accomplished for all of us, not just for their own people, for all of us. I mean, the libraries were just a big impact in our lives. You know, at one time, nobody had libraries, and then suddenly you have these women coming forward doing these wonderful things. So thank you once again for being on Women's Spaces, and I look forward to our conversation next month. Yes, I do, and thank you again to your producer, Ken. I want to give a call shout-out, 89.1 FM KBBS. Women's Spaces. This is Tina Rogers and Elaine B. Holtz, producer Ken Norton. Peace out. Happy Monday. Happy fun day. Well, thank you so much, my love. Wow, so much to learn, folks. I mean, you know, it's endless. None of us should need to be bored. 
just start looking at history. It's very, very exciting. Well, we're going to take a musical break, and the song I will be playing is one of my favorite songs in the whole world called Light a Candle. It was written by Neil Young, and it's going to be sung by a group called uh, Frozen Heart. And when we return, I will be talking to Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, who's a longtime student of metaphysics, and we're going to talk about Easter Sunday and the resurrection and how you can apply that to your own life as far as moving forward. So let's go ahead and listen to Light a Candle, Ken.
light a candle for where we're going Cause there's something ahead worth looking for When the light of time is on us We will see a moment come And the living soul inside will carry on Just love this song. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, who's a lifetime, longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the, in the mystical tradition. Welcome, Dr. Keel. Welcome once again to Women's Spaces. Thank you, Elaine. It's great to be with you and Ken and your listeners. Oh, I just I really I just, enjoyed listening to the show so far. Thank you. Oh, I know. I mean, such, so much history, so many things to do. Well, you know, we had you on last month, you know, and I was really, really so inspired by the conversation that we had. And I know that you're a unity minister. You've studied with unity and you've studied with many, many different faiths and many different ideas. And I thought today, in fact, you are the founding minister of unity at Berkeley. And also you're a, currently a guest speaker here for the minister. You do, uh, uh, I believe it's a monthly presentation for unity churches and you know last week last week was was easter and what i would like to do what i thought would be a good idea is to try to give our our listeners another perspective on what resurrection might mean as far as evolving yourself as a human being so i thought first if you could just give a little overview of what easter is all about and then we'll talk a little bit about the idea that unity has in looking at resurrection well yeah um i think most of us are aware of the kind of overview of the Easter story, but there's so many subtleties in the Easter story. And for me, that's part of the, um, that's part of the real interest and power, I think, in the way unity and those teachers of metaphysics, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, would help us understand these stories that are in the Bible. You know, basically the story, I mean, to, it's, kind of a sacrilege to try to tell the story in two minutes or less, but for listeners who might like to look at it in the Bible, um, looking at John chapter 18 through 20, you can really read a little bit more about the story and kind of some of the details of what happens. But basically, Jesus is being called up as betraying the Jews, and so they call him into a trial. And part of what Part of what happens in this experience is he's with his disciples, who are the people that have been closest to him over the years while he's been teaching out in the countryside and traveling around. And his disciples basically are the ones who betray him, one of his disciples. It is Judas who betrays him. And I think we know the story a little bit about Judas. And he trades, he trades information for some silver essentially, some money. Um, so we know what's active right there in terms of that quality of greed that happens in all of us. But what happens in the story that's so interesting is they bring, they bring Jesus in and put him before a Roman who is 
Pilate, and Pilate sees no reason, basically, that he should be judging Jesus. So he sort of throws it back, and throws it back to the to the Jewish priests who are very upset with Jesus and what he's been teaching. And what ends up happening is there's a there's a law that that he can release one person. He can release, and there's another there's another robber basically who's there with Jesus. And while Pilate would be perfectly willing to release Jesus, the crowd calls for him to release the thief, Barnabas. Anyway, so it's a very interesting story. What then happens is Jesus is crucified, and, and that whole experience is intense in terms of how Jesus receives what the pain that's coming to him. And after three days... He comes back again into his physical body, and he's able to be connected with some of the disciples. So that's kind of that's kind of like the quick, quick version um, of the Easter story. Uh, would you like me to? I know we're short on time. Do you want me to talk a little bit about what I see as some of the things that are in there that really can impact us? Yeah, I think it's important, you know, because the whole idea to me, what I found was very, very interesting, especially, you know, being brought up in a Jewish faith, you know, then all of, all the mythology around, you know, supposedly the Jews created the, the crucifixion and all that other stuff that happened. When I, when I start thinking about it as a way of evolving myself, of looking at it as, a, you know, as when I look at, for example, why would they choose the thief? You know, I, I start thinking about how we vote for people that we know are not going to serve our best interest. You know, I mean, it's like, and, you know, all the different things that surround us. So I thought maybe the idea of how can we take the story and use it in our own life to where we can improve ourselves and not seeing it as this is one holy incident, but it's a, a message for all of us right well one of the things that i love about about the teachings of unity and of course the probably other spiritual traditions that really help us understand these stories myth stories bible stories as a metaphor in a sense for the inner journey that we all go through and so when we think about this idea of resurrection in other words where jesus was literally he he died they buried him, and then he came back to life. We can look at that in terms of our own spiritual journey of how there are times in our own life where it feels like we've suffered some sort of inner death. There's been something that's happened to us. And for many of us, what what happens is something that appears to be an outer experience. You know, somebody could have um, an accident where they have physical challenges. They could have a disease where there are physical challenges. They could be going through a challenge in a relationship where there's a lot of misunderstanding, ultimately maybe a divorce. There could be an experience where you lose your job. All of these kind of major life events, or you lose a loved one, are, are things that we can look at as an inner kind of closing down of, of our, our normal way of showing up in the world. And this is why I love this, this story so much, Elaine, because I, if we begin to look at some of the characters in the story, I mean, I already mentioned Judas, but if we start looking at some of the characters that are in the story and see how they represent aspects within ourselves that we may not be conscious of. In other words, Judas clearly was a betrayer, and he was one who was willing to sell his his highest connection 
to spirit, Jesus representing that, that connection to the divine presence, that ever-present activity of inward and inner spirit. He was willing to sell that for money. So sometimes we're willing to sell that higher part of who we are for something that is very material, because we have we put more value on that material quality than on that higher quality of our connection to the divine presence or to to the divine within each one of us because i think this is the piece that jesus is always telling us it's not about something outside of us it's about ourselves well then here, there's peter I, let me just you, say let, let me just say one thing in here when when you when you bring that point up when you talk about the aspect of Judas, you can see that in our political arena today, where people are, are people are are sacrificing themselves and their values for power, you know, for right. for, for, for greed, for money. So I, I think that's a very very interesting point. So go ahead, go with the next yes. thing. All of these things, I think. I mean, I love that you're mentioning this because all of these things that are happening on the inner for us are also being mirrored in the outer and the stories. That are like the story, the Easter story is actually taking an outer experience, inviting us to look inside and see where these aspects, qualities of being that some of some that are highly prized and some that are not so beautiful are not only happening within us, but then they're manifesting out in the world um, in big time right now. Clearly, what I was going to say is Peter, who was one of the disciples who really represented this high quality of faith, devotion to to the to who Jesus was, Peter betrays him, and Jesus told him ahead of time, you're going to betray me three times before the, before the, the cock crows. And Peter's like, no, 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 I would never do that. Well, think about that in our own lives. How many times we betray ourselves? And I think this is something that is, it, it, it's so important for us to be aware of, that we we second-guess ourselves, we don't claim, we don't like, I was looking at your tenants, the tenants' ten intentions, and I, type, you know, I wrote them down while you were speaking. We don't honor the vision that we have about who we are in, the, in our lives. We don't shine our light. We don't acknowledge who we are. We don't, we don't set the course and carry through with the vision, and we don't seek the truth of who we are. So often we betray ourselves. And I think that's such an interesting thing for us to be really aware of because in the experience of what I would call the death experience where, where the things that we are accustomed to in our life that we think of as, that we take as a given, that we think of as normal, our health, our good relationships, you know, the fact that we have a job that we, where we can be in service and we can receive financial remuneration and feel supported by the universe. When those things start coming in on us, start limiting our experience of expressing who we are, that is when many of us move into this second-guessing ourselves. We move into, uh, like Peter, we lose our faith. You know, we're, we no longer can walk on water. We're sinking. And I think it's so important to seek the truth, which was your second intention, to seek the truth and look inside ourselves because it's in this experience of acknowledging these ways that we somehow fall um, into uh, a lack of connection with the higher consciousness, which is the Christ consciousness. Well, you know, when, you when we can, 
mm-hmm. when you talk about betraying ourselves, is that when we don't pay attention, when we don't read, when we don't acknowledge that the change needs to be made and how can we become part of it and we just keep going with the same old, same old, same old on some levels we're betraying ourselves. And it's hard. And, you know, like you said, you lose faith. When we lose faith, all of a sudden we have no ability to uh, to even reason or to think about. Like the song I played, Light a Candle. There's, there's a line right. that says, Light a Candle for those who are unwilling to look and unwilling to see. Yes. Well, the thing that I, I've become aware of, and as you know, um, and I, I, those who listened to me when I was on your show before, I've done a lot of work not only with my unity teachings, but I've also been traveling to in, India and studying in some of the mystical traditions that I believe a lot of this, the things that we learn through uh, the Bible and the things that Jesus knew, he learned some of these things from the mystics who came from the East. And one of the things that I've really learned and, and taken to heart in my own work and when I work with clients coaching with them is how important it is for us to be willing to see, like seeking the truth, is not about some big T out there. It's about seeking the inner truth of what's actually going on inside of us. And I, I believe that the resurrection happens for us when we're able to acknowledge these aspects of ourself, which we may not feel so proud of in the moment, but it just in the very act of witnessing and seeing what's going on within ourselves, something shifts. And it, it's as if it's a happening happens, that we move into a different plane. We move into a higher consciousness, and that's when the connection happens. That's the resurrection that happened for for Jesus, that's the resurrection that when when Mary went to the tomb and, and she didn't recognize him, there was a there was that old energy there for a moment until she could hear his voice, and then she knew, Rabboni, my teacher, you are here. We have the same kind of a happening experience for ourselves when we're willing to really, really go into the truth of what's going on in our experience. And not be afraid to change. I mean, that's where the faith in oneself comes. And another thing that I found is very interesting too. When I read about, when I read about the whole Easter story, when I think of Jesus Himself on the cross, when He says, "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." You know, to me, that's a message of of somewhat ignorance. Is that somehow when we don't know, when we don't look within, things happen that we really don't like. You know, wars, you know, poverty, all these different things that are going on, I really believe are the, we're not looking inside of ourselves and see how each one of us can move forward and do what we need to do to bring about change. Would, would you kind of agree with that or how does that sound? Absolutely. And I think it's only until we can see the places in our humanness where we fall short of the being the person that we really know we are, <laughs> you know, being being the wise one, being the loving person, being the one who is connected, the one who is carrying a calm presence, even in the storm of life. When we forget who we are, that's when we fall deeper and deeper into these states of unconsciousness. And what Jesus is asking of us all the time is to move into higher states of consciousness, to constantly see the truth and remember who we are, which is these incredible spiritual beings that we get to have a body this go round, you know, um, 
and and it i don't believe the resurrection is really about a body at all i believe it's all about consciousness and and it's a powerful awareness for all of us to have because we carry that around inside of us day and night we carry that consciousness and we have a choice where we're going to land and and how we're going to perceive things you know it, it it's interesting when i think of that that statement you know of forgiving because people don't know what they're doing it's almost like saying you know i can i can see that there's a problem here and i hope by allowing this forgiveness that maybe you will open your heart and mind and to see that how we are all responsible for this situation and that we all can contribute to improving it Absolutely. And, you know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's, I could say that to myself often. And when we see that inside ourselves, we can have the capacity to connect from a heart that's flowered to know that that's happening in others as well. And that's where this, the word you said, synergize, I think was the last word, that we begin to see that we are all connected. And that the experience I have is so similar to the experience of someone else, that we have big compassion and, and we are willing to give up whatever resentment or anger or fear that we've been carrying for something much higher and greater, which is that connection and love in the heart. Well, you know, it, it reminds me when I when I had my my eighty first birthday. You know, when you when you hit your eighties, you do a lot of reflection. And one oh of my the, gosh! And one of the things one of the things that I came up with was, Elaine, if you knew better, you would have done better. So you need to forgive yourself for the past and move forward yep. in the present. Because you know, all of us, if we knew better, we do better. I mean, that that's a real simple thing, and we have to forgive ourselves and let go of that so we can move forward. And I think. That's another thing. Well, you know, but Dr. Uh, Dr. K, I can't believe that we have about about three minutes left here. So uh, actually about uh, not even two minutes left. So any last words or anything you'd like to share? And also give us uh, your website where we can get in contact with you. And, and I just so appreciate you coming on and, and doing this little section on how we can forgive ourselves and how we can let go and how we can look within. I think that the one thing I would just like, I'm, I'm a very, um, I like to do processes with people because I think it helps us get out of our heads. We spend so much time in our head trying to analyze things, and I think that if we can move into a place of being present in the physical body, using the breath to be present, I just thought when you came on in the beginning of the show and you were talking about water, I just wanted to do this really simple meditation. And believe it or not, I can do it in a minute with everyone. The ancients know that the energy that moves through our body is both lunar and solar energy. The lunar energy is the same energy that moves the tides. You know, I have a a path outside my house where there's a creek, and if I walk a certain time of the day, it's a low, or other times the, the water is very high because of the moon, the energy of the moon. Well, each of us, if we breathe through just the left nostril, if you put your thumb on your right nostril and just inhale through your left nostril, and as you exhale, focus your attention on your right brain. Exhale into your right brain. And once again, inhale with just the left nostril, inhaling in through the lunar energy, the energy of the moon. And as you exhale, focus your attention on the right side of your brain. And one more time. I can't, I can't allow you to do it. We only have 30 seconds. Okay. So give your website and 
and I will post it's just my name, patriciakeel.com. Well, I'm really sorry that time just runs that's out. That's okay. That that's all we needed was the left the lunar energy is water energy. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Patricia Keel, for being on Women's Faces again. And I, I feel so inspired. Well, folks, that's it for our show. A special thank you to Tina Rogers for being uh, being her story alive with the lives of Julia Cooper and Vivian Harsh. A special thank you to Dr. Patricia Keel. You've been listening to Women's Faces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. Remember, our children are the future, and I look forward to being with you the next time. Because the woman in your life is you Previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 12th, 2021.